is Wealth Wake Up with Dick Donahue on KGMI News Talk 790, 96.5 FM in Bellingham and KGMI.com. Welcome to Wealth Wake Up this Sunday morning. Dick Donahue with you here on KGMI. And I hope this Christmas Eve day that everybody is getting prepared for a great time with their families over this Christmas holiday. And not to forget why we're here. And I'm going to do the latest version of The Greedy Innkeeper or The Generous Capitalist. And this may sound familiar, but we have used this every year or a version thereof since we first started doing Wealth Wake Up. So here we go. Talk about The Greedy Innkeeper or The Generous Capitalist. The Bible story of the virgin birth is the center of much of the holiday cheer this time of year. The book of Luke tells us that Mary and Joseph traveled to Bethlehem because Caesar Augustus decreed a census should be taken. Mary gave birth at her arriving in Bethlehem and placed baby Jesus in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Some people think Mary and Joseph were mistreated by the greedy innkeeper who only cared about profits and decided that the couple was not worth his normal accommodations. This version of the story or narrative has been repeated many times in plays, skits, and sermons. It fits an anti-capitalist mentality that paints business owners as greedy or even evil. It persists even though the Bible records no complaints and there was apparently no charge for the stable. It may be the stable was the only place available. Bethlehem was overcrowded with people forced to return to their ancestral home for a census ordered by the Romans for the purpose of levying taxes. If there was a problem, it was due to unintended consequences of government policy. It's this narrative that the government caused the problem. The innkeeper was generous to a fault, a hero even. He was overlooked, but he charitably offered it a stable, a facility he built with unknowing foresight. The innkeeper was willing and able to offer this facility even as government officials who ordered and administered the census slept in their own beds with little care for the well-being of those who had traveled regardless of their difficult life circumstances. If you must find evil in either of these narratives, remember that evil is ultimately perpetuated by individuals, not the institutions in which they operate. And this is why it's important to favor economic and political systems that limit the use and abuse of power over others. In the story of Baby Jesus, a government law that requires innkeepers to always have extra rooms or to take in anyone who asks would fix the problem. But these laws would also have unintended consequences. Fewer investors would back hotels because the cost of the regulations would reduce returns on investment. A hotel big enough to handle the rare census would be way too big in normal times. Even a bed and breakfast would face the potential of being sued. There would be fewer hotel rooms. Prices would rise. Innkeepers would once again be called greedy. And if history is our guide, government would chastise them for price gouging and then try to regulate prices. This does not mean Free markets are perfect or create a utopia. They aren't and they don't. But businesses can't force you to buy a service or product. You may have a choice, even if it's not exactly what you want. And good business people try to make you happy in creative and industrious ways. Government doesn't always care. In fact, if you happen to live in North Korea or Cuba and are not happy about the way things are going, you can't leave. And just in case you try, armed guards are going to help you think through things a little bit. This is why the framers of the U.S. Constitution made sure that there were checks and balances in our system of government. These checks and balances don't always lead to good outcomes. And we can think of many times when some wanted to ignore these safeguards. But over time, the checks and balances help prevent the kinds of depicism we've seen develop elsewhere. Neither free market capitalism nor the checks and balances of the Constitution are the equivalent of having a true savior. But they should all give us hope that the future will be brighter than many may seem to think. Again, we've used the same version or similar ever since we first started Wealth Wake Up. 
And let's take a look at our global summary for the week. We found that markets were modestly higher on this week. The yield on the benchmark 10-year U.S. Treasury note edged three basis points higher from a week ago to 3.92%. The price of barrel West Texas Intermediate Crude Oil rose $3.74.70 amid repeated attacks on shipping in the Red Sea. Volatility is measured by the CBOE Volatility Index, or VIX, rose to 13.8 from 12.2. And we saw that the Fed's favorite price measure falls. Market reaction to the lower-than-expected reading in core PCE was muted on Friday morning as markets had already backed into the data, extrapolating from other inflation measures. Still, the data will be welcomed by U.S. Federal Reserve policymakers. From a year ago, core PCE rose 3.2% in November, compared with a downward revised 3.4% in October. From a month ago, the price measures declined a tenth of 1%. So the odds of the Fed rate cut as early as March rose this week to 94%. And we're seeing that the U.S. is grabbing tax, late taxpayers' wiggle room. Now, this doesn't apply to Hunter Biden. He owed too much taxes, just to keep that in mind. But Americans who owe back taxes will be given an incentive to pay up their Internal Revenue Service said on Tuesday it would waive nearly a billion dollars in late payment penalties. About 4.6 million taxpayers delinquent for years 20 and 21 will be eligible for penalty relief. The relief applies to those who owe under $100,000, and it expires April 1, 2024. The IRS also announced this week that by repaying 80% of the pandemic-era employee retention tax credit, employers who were ineligible for the credit may avoid civil penalties or see the European finance measures agree to new fiscal rules. After months of negotiation, European finance ministers have agreed to a new budget framework that would allow more flexibility in regard to fiscal adjustments. Though the framework would put in place safeguards to ensure that countries with excessive deficits would reduce their debt and build up buffers to absorb future shocks. The package would give members of the European Union greater independence in negotiating death and deficit plans with Brussels, but only within a tight spending limits. Countries with debt ratios above 90% of GDP would be required to cut excess debt by one percentage point per year for the duration of their national spending plan. Countries with ratios between 60 and 90% would have to cut excess debt by half a percent a year. The deal must be approved by the European Parliament in order for it to become law. And we're seeing the Red Sea attacks reroutes shipping. Attacks on cargo ships in the Red Sea by Iranian-backed militias have prompted some of the world's largest shipping companies to divert cargoes around Africa, avoiding the Suez Canal along with the Red Sea, which leads to it. This is going to cost slower delivery times and increased costs. Approximately one-third of global container traffic typically transits the Suez, as does a significant portion of the world's seaborne oil and natural gas. The move comes despite the United States announcing the formation of a 10-nation force to protect commercial shipping in the region. And some of our quick hits for the week. We saw that the U.S. third quarter GDP was revised down to a still hefty 4.9% annual rate from the initial 5.2% reading. The PCE price index was revised down to 2% from 2.3. And the conference board's leading economic index fell a half percent in November as 20th straight monthly decline. However, the organization's consumer confidence measure jumped in December to 110.7 from 101 last month. And we saw the Bank of Japan left its negative interest rate regime in place, offered no fresh guidance on the timing of rate increases, Markets expect a hike by the middle of 2024, and U.S. housing starts jumped nearly 15% in November, though building permits fell 2.5%. So existing home sales rose 8 tenths of 1% last month, snapping a streak of five monthly declines in a row. However, new home sales declined 12.2% in November. Dick Donahue with you with Wake Up here on KGMI. We'll be back shortly. 
Are you on Medicare or individual health insurance and wondering if you are on the right plan for you and your family? This is Marcia Neal with Guided Solutions, formerly Vibrant USA. We understand the TV advertising and the mail you have been receiving may create more questions than answers. Although the deadlines are coming, you may still have time to make a change. So call us at 866-733-5111. Our agents can review your plan options, answer your questions, and put your mind at ease. Generosity pays, and West Edge Credit Union wants to encourage a little generosity. Now through the end of the year, receive an extra quarter point discount off your interest rate on any car, truck, or motorcycle loan from West Edge, and no payments for 90 days when you donate $25 to a local charity. Now that's a win-win. Offer valid through December 31st on approved credit. See West Edge for details. West Edge Credit Union, federally insured by NCUA, on the corner of James and Alabama, online at westedgecu.org. Dedicated to service, shining a light on local individuals, law enforcement, and groups giving back to our community. Brought to you by Nieder House of Luxury in Bellingham. Dedicated to service acknowledges the Whatcom Literacy Council staff, volunteers, and the many community contributors who helped make this year's literacy breakfast a huge success. More than $30,000 was raised to help fund free adult literacy programs in Whatcom County. Improved literacy is a key component to help people become more empowered, employable, and and better able to care for themselves and their families, and this money will help provide free tutoring and small group classes for hundreds of local adults motivated to learn. Dedicated to service, brought to you by Nieder House of Luxury, voted best jewelry store in the Northwest. This holiday, start with Nieder House of Luxury for their beautiful selection of jewelry with unique and custom designs, perfect for the one you love for Christmas and the new year. Find them at 21 Bellwether Way, Suite 107, next to Lombardi's back patio. Nieder House of Luxury. The opinions expressed on this program are not necessarily those of KGMI or the Cascade Radio Group. If tomorrow all the things were gone, I'd work for all my life. And I had to start again with just my children and my wife. Welcome back to Wealth Wake Up. Dick Downey here with you this Sunday morning here on KGMI. We're Asset Advisors. We are located out on the Pacific Highway. It's out there next to Wilson's Furniture. Our address is 5060 Pacific Highway Suite, 101 Ferndale, 98248. Our phone number, 360-733-1200. And check out our website at wealthwakeup.com. Okay, looking ahead on our summer continuing quick hits. We saw the minutes of the 60 December meeting of the Bank of Canada showed that policymakers felt additional rate hikes may be needed in order to restore price stability and said that wage growth of 4 to 5 percent is not consistent with reaching a 2 percent inflation. And the S&P Global raised Brazil's sovereign debt rating to double B, two levels below investment grade, from BB minus with a stable outlook. The Eurozone inflation held steady at 2.4% in November, as did the core rating of 3.6. And Fitch Ratings has affirmed Canada's sovereign rating at AA+, with a stable outlook. We saw consumer prices in the United Kingdom unexpectedly fell two-tenths of 1% in November and dropped to 3.9% from a year ago. That's from 4.6% in October. The odds increase that the Bank of England may cut rates early next year, with the first cut priced in for May. And we saw the yield on Germany's 10-year bond dropped below 2% for the first time in nine months this week. The rate peaked near 3% in early October. And we saw Gola has quit OPEC this week amid disagreement with Saudi Arabia over output quotas. U.S. and Chinese militaries restored senior-level communications this week, mending a 16-month rupture. And revised third-quarter GDP saw the British economy slip into a modest one-tenth of one percent contraction. Second-quarter data was revised down to zero percent from the Office of National Statistics. And U.S. personal income rose four-tenths of one percent in November, while October's reading was revised up to 0.3 percent. Personal spending rose two-tenths of one percent. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about some of these reports that we saw this week on the economic reports. Let's start out talking about the final third quarter gross domestic product, or GDP, report. 
and the final reading for real GDP in the third quarter came in below consensus expectations, but still at a robust 4.9% annual rate. A downward revision to consumer spending, many in services, along with a slower pace of inventory accumulation, more than offset small upward revisions to government purchases, net exports, home building, and business investment. We also got our second look at economy-wide corporate profits for the third quarter, which were revised slightly higher, now up 3.4% from the second quarter versus 3.3% gain reported last month and down six-tenths of one percent from a year ago versus a minus seven-tenths of one percent reported a month ago. The government includes Federal Reserve profits in this data, and the Fed is making losses. So we follow profits excluding those earned and or lost by the Fed, which are still up five and a half percent from a year ago. So moving forward, we expect a further slowdown in corporate profits as the economy continues to renormalize after the massive fiscal and monetary stimulus of 20 and 21. In turn, this will be a headwind for equities. In addition to corporate profits, we also got revisions for real gross domestic income, an alternative to GDP that is just as accurate. Real GDI was unrevised, increasing at a 1.5% annual rate in the third quarter, but that's down a tenth of 1% versus a year ago, consistent with underlying economic weakness. There are figures that are normally seen in and around recessions. Regarding monetary policy, inflation continues to move lower. GDP inflation was revised down to a still elevated 3.3% annual rate in the third quarter versus a prior estimate of 3.6% and GDP prices are up 3.2% from a year ago, still well away from the Fed's 2% target. Meanwhile, nominal GDP, which is real GDP growth plus inflation, rose at an 8.3% annual rate in the third quarter. It's up 6.2% from a year ago. And looking at employment news, initial claims for jobless benefits rose 2,000 last week to 205,000. Continuing claims declined 1,000 to 1.865 million. These figures are consistent with moderate job growth in December. And finally, in manufacturing news, the Philadelphia Fed Index, which is a measure of factory sentiment in that region, declined minus 10.5 in December from minus 5.9 in November. That's also signaling sluggishness in the factory sector. And we got the November Housing Starts report out this week. Housing Starts surged well above expectations in November, rising 14.8% and crushing even the most optimistic forecast from any economics group. And while one month doesn't make a trend, Housing Starts now sit at a six-month high, a sign that developers may have finally found their footing in what has been a challenging environment. While 30-year mortgage rates remain above 7%, They have been on a downward trajectory since peaking above 8% at the end of October. So given the new short-term interest rate projections the Federal Reserve released this week, where the median forecast was 75 basis point rate cuts in 24, and not a single policymaker having short-term interest rates higher a year from now than they are today, we expect mortgage rates to continue trending downward in 24, providing a tailwind for sales activity. Looking at the details of the report, gains were broad-based with all four major regions and both single-family and multi-family units started contributing. Housing permits declined 2.5% in November, but the drop was entirely due to permits and multi-family units down 8.5%. Notably, permits for single-family homes have increased every month since the beginning of 2023. In the past year, the number of single-family starts is up 42.2%, while multifamily units are down 33.1%. This huge gap in the data is due to an unprecedented nature of the last three years since COVID began. So looking at the bigger picture, a combination of extremely low interest rates and pressures to work from home led to a big migration in the suburbs and beyond and high demand for single-family homes. Then the economy reopened causing many people to flock back to the cities, sparking a boom in apartment projects. Currently, the number of multi-unit properties under construction is hovering near record levels, going back to 1970 when records began. And now it looks like the move back to the cities 
has petered out, leaving a glut of apartments. Meanwhile, owners of existing homes are hesitant to list their properties and give up fixed sub-3% mortgage rates. So many prospective buyers have turned to new builds as their best options. And while we don't see housing as a major driver of economic growth in the near term, recent numbers are certainly not what you'd expect to see if there was a severe housing bust like the 2000s on its way either. In other housing news, the NAHB Housing Index, a measure of home builder sentiment, rose to 37 in December from 34 in November. A reading below 50 signals that a greater number of builders view conditions as poor versus good. And we got the November new home sales report out this week, and new homes surprised to the downside in November, falling more than even the most pessimistic forecast of any group. Moreover, the 12.2% decline in November leaves the monthly sales pace at the slowest in a year, reversing the upward trend throughout the rest of 23. Notably, the report on new home sales is at odds with positive news elsewhere in the housing market in November, likely driven by 30-year fixed mortgage rates falling at full 50 basis points during the month. The main issue with the U.S. housing market remains affordability, so it's likely that November's bad headline number was an off, one-off rather than the beginning of a new trend. That said, it's not surprising that sales are up only 1.4% in the last year. Assuming a 20% down payment, the rise in mortgage rates since the Federal Reserve began its current tightening cycle amounts to 32% increase in monthly premiums on a new 30-year mortgage for the, for the median price new home. The good news for potential buyers is that the median sales price on new homes has fallen by 12.5% from the peak late last year. However, it's important to note that this drop in median prices is likely due to the mix of homes on the market, including more lower-priced options as developers complete smaller projects. Supply has also put more downward pressure on the median prices for new homes than existing homes. The supply of completed single-family homes is up 150% versus the bottom of 22. This contrasts with the market for existing homes where continue to struggle with an inventory problem, often due to the difficulty of convincing current homeowners to give up their low fixed-rate mortgages that they locked in during the pandemic. But this does not mean that housing is getting more affordable per square foot. But the Census Bureau reporting median prices in this base is up 45% from 2019 to 2022, the most recent data available. Though not a recipe for significant rebound, more inventories given potential buyers a wider array of options will continue to put a floor under new house sales. One problem with the sexing housing activity is that the Federal Reserve held interest rates artificially low for more than a decade. With rates now in a more normal range, the sticker shock on the mortgage rates for potential buyers is very real. However, we have had strong housing markets with rates at current levels in the past, and home buyers will eventually adjust. Dick Donahue with you with Wealth Wake Up here on KGMI. We'll be back shortly. We don't have the usual traffic jams that they have in the big city, but sometimes things happen to snarl everything up. Depend on KGMI to keep you cruising to your destination with KGMI traffic alerts. We'll tell you where the trouble spots are. And if you see problems on the road, give us a call at 360-676-5464 so we can spread the word. KGMI News Talk 790, 96.5 FM, and KGMI.com. The mysterious, the obscure, the strange. In some cases, it is the animal reactions that led to the sighting. Coast to coast. In France, Marius DeWild said that his barking dog caused him to go outside to see what had startled it. He saw something on the nearby railroad tracks and then two small creatures. A beam of light shot out from that object momentarily paralyzing him. Every night at 10 p.m. and beyond on KGMI News Talk 790, 96.5 FM in Bellingham and KGMI.com. 
This holiday season, relax and celebrate in your new home at Meadow Greens Retirement Community, located in beautiful Linden. From the snow-covered panoramic views of the Cascade Mountains and the Canadian Rockies, there's no better backdrop to the holidays than Meadow Greens Active Retirement, all while enjoying the beautiful holiday decorations and you don't have to do any of the work. Meadow Greens Retirement is the only locally owned retirement facility in the county. They offer both one and two bedroom apartments with full kitchens with the freedom of eating in or enjoying a meal at the Outward Nine or the Duck Hook Bistro. Meadow Greens can also be of help when it's time to transition from an independent apartment to assisted living. Hi, I'm Josh Howe, director here at Meadow Greens. I'd like to personally invite you to come to our community. I look forward to showing you all that we have to offer. Call Meadow Greens today to arrange a private tour at 354-8200 and online at meadowgreenslinden.com. The grass is always greener in Meadow Greens. Cascade Natural Gas is offering energy efficiency rebates so you can enjoy more comfort in every room of your home and a lower energy bill, all while earning cash incentives. Find out how upgrading to high-efficiency gas equipment will keep you warm in the winter and cool in the summer and earn rebates. Contact a Cascade Trade Ally today. Call Bellingham Plumbing and Heating today. They have expertise in resolving all your water and heating needs, including water treatment, tankless water heaters, HVAC and furnace systems, gutters, kitchen and bathroom models, restaurant kitchens, and so much more. Save both energy and money on your hot water bill with a tankless water heater from Bellingham Plumbing and Heating. Check out their online specials at bpheating.com. So, if you're a Cascade Natural Gas customer, take another walk through your home and start thinking of all the rebates you could earn when you upgrade the energy efficiency of your home. Don't wait. Find out more today at cngc.com to start earning your cash rebates. Hello, folks. This is Elder Law Attorney Phil George, the host of The Aging Hour, right here on KGMI every Saturday and Sunday at 1 p.m. and the founder of Safe Harbor Legal Solutions. I have good news for you. We are having a live seminar at the new Holiday Inn and Suites over by the airport in Bellingham at 11 a.m. on Saturday, the 13th of January. Don't let another year go by without giving your family the peace of mind that comes with a comprehensive estate and retirement plan. Come out, get your questions answered, and learn how to set your family up for success in your retirement. Reserve your spot today at www.safeharborlegal.com. This week with PNW Perks, get a unique and immersive night out for half the price. Thursday at 8 a.m., you can get two players for the price of one at Lockbreaker Escapes in Bellingham. Are you tired of having the same old night out? Think you've seen it all and believe nothing can surprise you anymore? Well, prepare to have your expectations shattered. In the heart of downtown Bellingham, an amazing experience awaits you at Lockbreaker Escapes. You're trapped, the clock is ticking, and the only hope for survival is your wits. Will you and your team escape the the Italian wine cellar before the poison takes hold or fix the broken elevator before it comes crashing down. Don't be alarmed. It's all part of the game. Welcome to the exciting world of puzzle solving like you've never experienced before. Visit LockbreakerEscapes.com to book your adventure. Will you break the locks or will the locks break you? Thursday at 8 a.m. with PNW Perks. You can score admission for two at Lockbreaker Escapes for the price of one only at PNWPerks.com. Staying connected with your community each Saturday at noon with KGMI's Community Connection as local business leaders share their expert advice. Sponsored by Dewey Griffin Subaru, Ferndale Downtown Association, Lydia Place, UA Local 26, and Lorraine's Window Coverings. Community Connection, Saturdays at noon on KGMI News Talk 790, 96.5 FM in Bellingham and KGMI.com. The latest local news and important topics of the day from the West Mechanical Studio. No gimmicks, just the highest quality systems, 0% interest financing, and a 100% satisfaction guarantee. Rely on West Mechanical Heating, Air Conditioning, and Electrical. Contact them today at westmechanical.net. Get the latest news and information 24-7 with KGMI News Talk 790, 96.5 FM in Bellingham and KGMI.com. Welcome to Wealth Wake Up. Dick Donahue with you this Sunday morning. I'm going to continue on with the economic reports that have come out this week. We're going to now look at November existing home sales. And existing home sales eked out a small gain in November following five consecutive months of declines, likely the result of recent decline in mortgage rates. 
However, new sales still remain near their slowest pace since the aftermath of the 2008 and 9 financial crisis. The housing market is facing a series of headwinds, some of them temporary. The first and most significant has been financing costs, with a 30-year fixed mortgage rate briefly surpassing 8% for the first time in more than two decades. The good news for buyers is the optimism around inflation and Federal Reserve have effectively declared mission accomplished, has led to a rapid decline in interest rates across the board. So now, assuming a 20% down payment, the rise in mortgage rates since the Federal Reserve began its current tightening cycle in March of 22 amounts to a 36% increase in monthly payments on a new 30-year mortgage for the existing median-priced existing home. Eventually, the housing market can adapt to these increases, and the recent moderation in rates should keep the short term but continued volatility in financing costs will cause some indigestion. In addition, many existing homeowners are reluctant to sell due to a mortgage lock-in phenomenon after buying at or refinancing at much lower rates before 2022. That should limit future existing sales and inventories. Case in point, the month's supply of homes is how long it's going to take to sell existing inventory at the current very low slow sales price was three and a half in November, well below the benchmark of five that the National Association of Realtors uses to denote a normal market. A tight inventory of existing homes means that while the pace of sales may resemble 2008, we aren't seeing that that translate to a big time decline in prices. In fact, home prices appear to be rising again, although modestly with a median price of existing home up 4% from a year ago. Putting this together, expect sales and prices to drag on as we head into 2024. And the November Durable Goods Report also came out this week, and durable goods surged in November following an October lull, as the typically vulnerable transportation categories continued to dominate monthly readings. Commercial aircraft orders jumped 80.1% in November following a 43.9% decline in October. Meanwhile, orders for autos rose 2.8% following declines in each of the prior two months. That said, even stripping out the typically volatile transportation category shows orders for durable goods up a healthy half a percent in November. Orders rose for electrical equipment up 1.3%, primary metals up 6 tenths of 1%, machinery up 3 tenths of 1%, and computers and electronic products up 3 tenths of 1%. Fabricated metal product orders were unchanged. Arguably, the most important number in the report is core shipments, which is a key input for business investment in the calculation of GDP, which declined a tenth of 1% in November. If unchanged in December, these shipments would be down two-tenths of 1% annualized rate in the fourth quarter versus their third quarter average. And while growth in these shipments has been steadily slowing over the past three years, This would represent the first outright decline in core shipments since the second quarter of 2020. We expect the slowing trend will continue as the economy feels the laggard effects of the Federal Reserve's actions to tighten monetary policy. In the past year, orders for durable goods were up 9.5%. Orders for excluding transportation are up a more modest 2%. A number of factors are likely to keep the path forward rocky as we move into 24. Restrictive monetary policy from the Federal Reserve, even as rate cutting starts, the tightening of lending standards following stress in the banking center, and withdrawal symptoms following the COVID-19 era economic morphine that artificially boosted both consumer and business spending. In addition, the return towards services likely means goods-related activity will continue to soften in the year ahead, even as some durables that facilitate services remain healthy. In other news, personal income rose four-tenths of 1% in November, is up 4.6% in the past year, while spending increased two-tenths of 1% in November and has risen 5.4% from a year ago. Most notably, PCE prices, which is the Fed's preferred measure of inflation, declined a tenth of 1% in November. That's the first monthly drop in prices reported since April of 2020. PCE prices are still up. 2.6% in the last year, but only at a 2% rate in the last six months, 
consistent again with the Fed's inflation target. So core prices, which exclude the volatile food and energy components, rose a tenth of 1% in November. They're up only 1.9% annual rate in the last six months. However, they're up 3.2% in the past year. So on the manufacturing front, the Kansas City Fed Index, which is a measure of a factory sentiment in that region, rose to minus 1 in December from minus 2 in November. That is signaling continued sluggishness in the factory sector. And let's talk a little bit about Medicare planning. You know, smart financial planning can help you save on your premiums. You need to be aware you can save money on your Medicare Part B and D premiums if you plan properly. And while some of the benefits of working with a financial advisor are quantitative, the peace of mind knowing that there are a sustainable financial path, retirement income planning particularly as it relates to taxes, it can be a way for financial advisors to show that they're saving their clients hard dollars on an annual basis. When it comes to retired clients who are on Medicare, one area where we as advisors can potentially help save us money is on what we call the Income-Related Monthly Adjustment Amount, or IRMA. That's a surcharge for your Medicare Part B and D premiums for individuals whose income exceeds certain levels. And because IRMA amounts are determined based on the individual's income from two years prior, so i.e. the 2023 amounts were determined based on your 21 income, we can help our clients file for a refund by submitting form to SSA-44. If their income has changed during the past two years due to one of seven approved reasons, death of a spouse, marriage, divorce or annulment, work reduction, work stoppage, such as retirement, loss of income from income-producing property, loss or reduction of certain pension income, which means the one-time events like Roth conversions, taxable investment gains, taxable gains on the sale of vacation home typically are not acceptable reasons for requesting a refund. Nevertheless, individuals who saw a temporary increase in income for accentuating circumstances, i.e. an individual had to take a large IRA withdrawal or pay for unexpected medical expenses, could still receive a reconsideration by contracting the Social Security Administration, though this is by no means guaranteed. In either case, having proper documentation to corroborate the reason for reduced income can help process move more quickly. In the end, Relative to the income levels it takes to hit IRMA thresholds in the first place, IRMA is really just the equivalent of a modest income surtax. It is often acute pain point for many, particularly though because of the surcharges typically taken directly from your Social Security check. So they basically are in that situation where you've had that higher income. They're going to reduce your Social Security benefits by that adjusted amount, or IRMA, at least for that one year. So um, this means that there are opportunities to, to help, you know, plan through this. It's important. We've got a program we, we can actually scan your tax return in and sit down and talk to you about those kind of numbers. It's something that uh, we just need a copy of your most recent full tax return, not partial tax return. We have to have the full year's tax return. But if we can get a copy of that return, we can actually scan it in and sit there and play around with it and say, well, this is what adjustments you can make. Of course, that also applies when we're doing things like Roth conversions because that can affect earners. There's a lot of things to take in consideration, but it's one of those things that we think that we can spend the time with you on, help you get through that process and help you make your plan for the future. So anyway, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be back shortly. This is Dick Donahue with you with Wealth Wake Up here on KGMI. Thank you for listening. We'll be right back. Get ready for holiday feast season with Pepto-Bismol. Uncle Derek's here with his famous fried turkey. Hey, hey, Aunt Mary brought the mac and cheese. Donna's here with the potato salad. Pepto-Bismol provides fast five-symptom relief for unexpected stomach upsets. So enjoy the holidays. Pepto has you covered, no matter who made the potato salad. When you have nausea, heartburn, indigestion, upset stomach, diarrhea. Pepto-Bismol. Use as directed. Keep out of reach of children. <coughs> My dad has a cold, but also has high blood pressure. That's why I got him Vicks Dayquil High Blood Pressure for max strength daytime relief. Unlike some ordinary cold medicines, it's specially formulated for people like my dad. 
Dayquil High Blood Pressure is sugar-free, alcohol-free, and decongestant-free. Vicks Dayquil High Blood Pressure. The daytime, non-drowsy, coughing, aching, fever, sore throat, cold and flu for people with high blood pressure. Like my dad. Medicine. Use it directed. Oh, there's no place like home for the holidays. Especially a warm and comfortable home. This year, deck the halls with an upgrade to your heating and cooling system and get a free water heater. Hi, I'm John Barron, owner of Barron Heating AC Electrical and Plumbing. From a new heat pump to a heating and cooling system upgrade, we're offering special incentives this holiday season, sure to warm your home and fill your heart with joy. Family owned and operated for over 50 years, Barron backs all our work with 100% satisfaction guarantee and five-star customer service. For a limited time, Barron is offering a free water heater with the purchase of a new heating and cooling system or $500 off the HVAC system of your choice. With short wait times, fast track to installation and flexible payment options, you'll be happy in a million ways because for the holidays, you can't beat warm, sweet home. Barron, your full-service HVAC electrical and plumbing contractor. Our mission, improving lives. Cause there ain't no doubt I love this land. God bless the USA. Welcome back to Wealth Wake Up. Dick Downey here with you this Sunday morning. Got questions for me? Give me a call. 360-733-1200. Going to talk about a little bit about how the new IRS 10 year plan may affect the wealthy. You know, after getting $80 billion from last year's Inflation Reduction Act, the IRS is poised to make good on its long standing pledge of paying more attention to taxpayers who make more than $400,000 annually. The agency will be focusing on segments of taxpayers with complex issues and complex returns where audit rates are minimal today, such as those related to large partnerships, large corporations, high income, and high wealth individuals, according to a new Internal Revenue Service Inflation Reduction Act strategic operating plan. More than half of the agency's new funding was allocated to enforcement, and the plan makes it clear that the current administration wants the IRS to increase audits of wealthy individuals and large corporations. But one question is, how long is it going to take the IRS to step up that enforcement? Well, we don't anticipate that audits are going to ramp up too quickly, as the IRS still has to hire and train agents. But it does not have hundreds of experienced agents who have been sitting around waiting to get assignments. But with the IRS having a three-year window to start an audit, they could get the hire and train machine cranked up in time to start auditing the 23 tax returns. A taxpayer's 22 return is less likely to be impacted by the funding and increased audit activity. So some terms of the IRS plan also need fleshing out. The IRS refers to making $400,000, which is not a tax term. If a taxpayer has taxable income under $400,000, is that the threshold? You can have $5 million of capital gains and $4.7 million of capital losses. Have taxable income under $400,000. Did he make $5 million or did he make $300,000? And what are some of the possible tax issues the wealthy could face down the road? The balance some business owners have between taking salary versus distributions of their company is one. A salary is subject to payroll taxes where distributions are not. The IRS is likely to crack down on those business owners and focus most on their cash flow out of their businesses as distributions and take too small a salary in order to minimize the amount of payroll taxes that they're paying. Pass-through tax breaks may be another area of focus. Many or most wealthy taxpayers have a lot of pass-through income or loss from investments. Historically, the IRS has done a poor job auditing large partnerships and has corporations. I expect that this is going to be a big focus. Another area could be to scrutinize the expenses business owners are running through their companies to ensure that those expenses are legitimate business expenses versus personal, non-deductible expenses. Some business owners abuse this opportunity. My guess is the IRS will take a much closer look at this area. The IRS has just released proposed regulations on micro-captive insurance company investments that expand what constitutes a transaction of interest and corresponding reporting. 
we propose regulations regarding syndicated conservation easements also are included. There are also low-hanging fruit for audit purposes and are primarily used by taxpayers with over the $400,000 threshold. And then you should think currently about risky tax moves. You may have slipped through the cracks in the past, but it's less likely you're going to do so in the future. You need to make sure your pass-through investments are with reputable companies who are not being overly aggressive in their tax reporting. And if you're on the fence with regard to the $400,000 threshold, resist doing something shady to go from $500,000 to $399,000 in income, thinking that you just pulled off a fast one on the IRS. The IRS enforcement has become a political issue, so the enforcement environment could change once again. Scrutiny on the wealthy is supported by Democrats in Congress. The Republicans, on the other hand, have questioned what the IRS intends to use the funds for it received under the IRA and have indicated that they an intent to claw back that funding. It's likely that both sides will agree to appropriate funding for the IRS, that one issue of funding, i.e. enforcement priorities, is going to remain hot topics for candidates during this run-up to the 2024 election, so we're going to keep an eye on that one. And we're also seeing that higher interest rates are here to stay. At least we think they could be. And there's a lot of reasons for that. You know, even with the recent partial retreat in long-term real, real and nominal interest rates, they remain well above their ultra-low levels of policymakers have grown accustomed to. They're likely to stay at such levels even as inflation retreats. It's now past time to revisit the widely pervading free lunch view of government debt. The idea that interest rates would be low forever seemed to support the view that any concern about debt was an endorsement of austerity. Many came to believe that government should run large deficits during recessions and only slightly smaller deficits in normal times. No one seemed concerned with the possible risks, in particular the inflation and interest rates. The left championed the notion that government debt could be used to expand social programs going beyond what could be generated by reducing military spending, while those on the right seem to believe that taxes exist only to be cut. The most misguided approach involves using central banks to purchase government debt, which appeared costless when short-term interest rates were zero. This idea is at the core of modern monetary theory, or helicopter money, in recent years, even prominent macroeconomists have floated the idea of having the U.S. Federal Reserve write off government debt after soaking it up through the quantitative easing, a seemingly simple solution to any potential sovereign debt problem. Now, for example, you look at the amount of debt that the Federal Reserve is now holding on its books. And they, of course, were doing relatively low interest rates, so they didn't have a problem. Now, of course, that interest rates, as I mentioned earlier today, this Federal Reserve is operating at a loss because they're having to pay higher interest rates on that money than what they're able to earn. But this approach also assumed that even if global real interest rates rose, any increase would be gradual and temporary. The possibility that a sharp rise in interest rates would dramatically increase interest payments on existing debt, including debt held by central banks or bank reserves, was simply dismissed. So here we are. The Fed, which previously paid zero interest on these reserves, is now paying more than 5%. Aside from the few notable exceptions, those who champion the notion that debt is a free lunch have not acknowledged that the likelihood of a new reality at a recent conference that I listened to, a well-known financial commentator, you'd have a staunch advocate for lower forever narrative and seemed unaware that it had been thoroughly debunked. When pressed, they conceded that interest rates do not quickly revert to the low, ultra-low levels of the 2010s. Budget deficits might matter after all. But they were reluctant to admit that the existing debt overhang could pose a problem, as this would impunge their previous endorsements of spendthrift fiscal policies. Similarly, in a recent paper about the record levels of global debt presented by the world's leading central bankers at this year's Jackson Hole Conference, the presenters appeared to be reticent to discuss the implications of the current debt overhang or the connection between high government debt and sluggish growth in countries like Japan and Italy. So to be sure, the next recession, whenever it occurs, will likely lead to a significant decrease in interest rates, 
potentially offering a temporary respite to the widely over-leveraged U.S. commercial real estate market, where the mantra today is, you can stay alive until 25. If property owners can endure another year of falling rents and surging financing costs, the thinking goes a sharp drop in interest rates in 25 could stem the uh, tide of red ink threatening to drown out their businesses. But even if inflation declines, interest rates will likely remain higher for the next decade than they were in the decade following the 2008 financial crisis. This reflects a variety of factors, including soaring debt levels, deglobalization, increased defense spending, the green transition, populist demands for income redistribution, and persistent inflation. Even demographic shifts, often cited as irrational for potentially low interest rates, may affect developed countries, differing as they increase spending to support rapidly aging populations. And while the world can certainly adapt to higher rates, the transition is still ongoing. The shift could be particularly challenging for European countries, given their low, ultra-low rates have been the glue that holding the Eurozone together. The European Central Bank's whatever-it-takes bailout policies appeared to be costless when interest rates were near zero. Now it's unclear whether the bloc could survive future crisis. As I mentioned, Japan will struggle to move up its zero-forever interest rate policies as the government and financial system have grown accustomed to treating debt as cost-free. The United States, the commercial real estate sector's vulnerabilities, together with increased borrowing, could trigger another wave of inflation. Moreover, when major emerging economies have managed to cope with higher interest rates so far, they face enormous fiscal pressures. In this new global environment, policymakers and economists even those that previously belonged to the lower forever camp may need to reassess their beliefs in light of the current market realities. And while it's feasible to expand social programs or boost military capabilities without running up large deficits, doing so without raising taxes is not costless. We are likely to find out the hard way that it never was. Not a real good message here on Christmas Eve, is it? Anyway, thanks for listening. Don't forget our live show next Saturday at 11 o'clock. If you got questions for me, give me a call, 360-733-1200. on the show are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine which strategies or investments may be suitable for you, consult the appropriate qualified professional prior to making a decision.